What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Before we jump into today's show, I have some exciting news and an opportunity to become a founding member of the Pivot Podcast community on Patreon. As the Pivot Podcast rounds the corner into its fourth year and over 70 episodes across three publishing seasons, I am honored to say that the show has grown into one of iTunes' top podcasts in the careers category. It was named by CNBC among six podcasts to make you smarter about your career and selected by Entrepreneur as one of the top 20 female-hosted business podcasts. Thank you. Thank you all so much for being here and helping me take it to that level. Producing the show does require a significant amount of work. It's a labor of love, no doubt, and now I'm taking it to the next level once again. To keep the podcast going, growing, and with as high-quality production and editing as possible, I would love to extend this invitation to you, my amazing listeners. Will you help support the show in 2018 by becoming a founding member of the Pivot Podcast community on Patreon? Patreon is this really cool service that's like an ongoing Kickstarter for creatives. It allows you, the listener, to designate a monthly contribution of your choosing, starting at the equivalent of donating a cup of tea to me each month. I've cooked up a whole batch of goodies at each supporter level that I think you'll love and benefit from. Everything from submitting specific questions for guests to twice monthly Q&A calls with me in a private community for side hustlers and solopreneurs, all the way to private one-on-one coaching and even an in-person VIP strategy day with me in New York City. This show would not exist without you being here to listen. Huge thanks from the bottom of my heart for all of your support thus far in the journey and for any you're able to provide moving forward. I can't wait to pivot the podcast once again and keep bringing you exactly what you love to listen to. To learn more and make an ongoing contribution, visit patreon.com slash pivot. Now on to today's show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Pivot Podcast. I am over the moon with glee today to have someone I long admired from afar who has since become a good friend, Penny Pierce, back on the show. Penny is a gifted clairvoyant, empath, and visionary, and one of the pioneers in the intuition development movement. She's a popular author, lecturer, counselor, and trainer specializing in intuition development, inner energy dynamics, expanded perception, transformation and dream work. And we are here today talking about her latest book. This is our fourth go round on the Pivot Podcast with more to follow on her latest book, Transparency, Seeing Through to Our Expanded Human Capacity. Penny, welcome to the show. It's so good to be back on the Jenny and Penny show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. The Jenny and Penny show. This is one of those things that I could not have dared to dream would have happened. And I told you before we hit record that I was going to share the story of our friendship and not even tell you what I was going to say. So (laughs) let me tell everyone listening that it started with, I bought a book called The Intuitive Way back in 2014. Didn't read it, was probably intimidated, was probably a little scared of what would start to happen if I really listened to my intuition. What would that do? A little nerve wracking. It wasn't until 
I went to Bali, I took an intuition class, I came home and this book practically jumped off the shelf. And I started doing all the exercises. One of the exercises was who is a dream person that you would want to ask a question to? So I wrote down the name Penny Pierce and I thought, come on, everyone who reads this book writes down Penny's name, (laughs) you know, thinking like, (laughs) that's so unrealistic that I would write your name and how cliche, you know, everyone reading is going to want to talk to you. But I did. And I really felt that that would be a dream if I could ask you a question someday. So then I decided to book Penny for a numerology reading, which if you have never had one, I highly recommend it. It's almost like doing a personality assessment, but it incorporates both who you are, what your proclivities are, and what themes are coming up for you in your life in general. And so we kind of got to know each other that way. Then I did a second one a year later. Then when I started the Pivot Podcast, I had her on the show. We hit it off so well in our first conversation that we decided to turn it into a trilogy and scheduled two more. And in the time since those podcast interviews and now, I even got to write the foreword to Penny's book. And I don't have words for that, Penny. I pretty much fell out of my chair when you asked me. I was just overcome with, like, how? I can't, I couldn't have dreamt that we would ever get to be friends, let alone write the foreword for your new book. So I just want to say thank you for being you. And I'm humbled and honored and mostly thrilled that I get to bring you back on the show to enlighten all of us. In this well, conversation. I, I love our conversations too. And I love the forward you wrote. It's just beautiful. So thank you so much for that. And being in the book with me, that's just great. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll even scratch the surface today on all the things we could talk about. I know. It's so much fun. I know. It really is. Your books have so much depth and richness to them. And so we'll get into transparency. But one of the things you say in the introduction to this is, I never tire of learning how souls grow themselves. Say more about that. I guess I say from doing so many readings for people over the years, um, all so many different kinds of people and looking down deep into them to see why they do what they do. And often it is kind of, um, on one level, a medication of their, their wounds that they're doing something, but at the same time that they're trying to heal their pain, they're also evolving themselves. And it's so creative. Everyone is just amazingly creative in their own unique way. And it, the way they think of to do it actually works out. You know, if you look at things like karma and, you know, how souls evolve over lifetimes, which I do, um, it, to me, that's like a giant design problem, you know, like <laughs> when I was a designer for so many years and, um, it was just amazing engineering feat. So it never gets tired. I never get tired of looking at that stuff. It really is that there's so much, we're all so dynamic as beings. And then not to mention in our soul families that we're all traveling with together and how dynamic the world itself is. It really is something that's so complex. And yet there is somehow an ordered chaos to it when you step back. Yes. Yes. Um, And it's really not chaos at all when you, when you really go deeply into it. How so? Well, I feel like 
we're all in the flow, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that the flow is kind of the collective consciousness of all beings, maybe even trees and rocks and insects and birds, too. Uh, but that collective consciousness helps everyone do the next just right thing so that it's evolving us as we go along. And the ideas that come to me are coming from everyone and me. You know, and then what I give out to the world is the next stuff that other people need for in their next moment. And it's like this perfect fit of um, offerings and needs mm. that fits together so well. And it just keeps on going like that. Um, you know, it's just whenever I contemplate this stuff, I go into a really true amazement, you know, like my mouth falls open and go, wow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way I can explain that you and I are here right now is that, <laughs> that same amount amazement uh, that it somehow is in the flow for us to get to know each other and for for our books to harmonize and you and I were even working on our books at similar times I love what you said about you almost being a conduit feeling into what the collective consciousness needs. And you say that this book really had its way with you. And I found it very interesting as your friend to watch your process, which is that I'm not sure you even knew exactly what you wanted to say on this subject until you were in it. And I would love right. to hear more about how right. you how you know when it's time to, to start on a book or a message, but then while simultaneously co-creating it or downloading it or understanding it as you go. It's, I'm not aware consciously in advance too, too much. Like, um, when the book frequency, when I wrote frequency, which was some years back, um, I didn't, I had titled it something else. I thought, I thought I was writing a book about empathy and the publisher said, you know, that's a little too advanced for most people right now at this time. Could you go back to the drawing board and rework it? And I came up with this new pattern and it just I was writing words on a pad what should I call this and in my hand just wrote frequency and I thought oh I, I wonder if I could use that word you know <laughs> and so I put it out there it felt right and it was so timely you know it just hit at the right moment and then the next one leap of perception was the next stage but I didn't know I was going to do that one and and now, and then I noticed that transparency has been a phrase or a, I've had a little section about it in all of my previous books. Um, and I had forgotten, <laughs> you know, it just went in one part of my brain and out the other. And then it started to just be present all the time. Mm. The idea, the, the word, the, the knowledge about what it might be. And I thought it would be a nice short little book. And, uh, Turns out that it had a different idea of what it wanted <laughs> to be, and it was it's quite um, comprehensive, actually. It turned out to be longer than I think the publisher even wanted it to be. But um, there's no repetition <laughs> in it. Yes. So, yeah, it kind of, it, it teaches me, I think, as I go along. You just have to stay open, and these ideas or explanations start to come in. And isn't it interesting how it's as if our soul leaves us clues? Like there is, there were clues in your previous books and mm -hmm. your body of work to transparency, yes. but you hadn't yes. yet pulled it out as its own thing. Well, and the timing wasn't right. 
Mm. See, now I think transparency is a word that's just everywhere in the news. As Can you believe it? I mean, when you started writing this book, we had not <laughs> we had not yet had the 2016 presidential election. That's right. <laughs> what on earth? <laughs> I mean, so, I know. So give us I a know. primer. Give us a primer of how you define transparency and yeah. why it is more relevant now than ever. Well, as I started writing it, I thought, well, what what do most people think of transparency as? You know, and and really, it's about freedom of information, free access to information, honesty in the way we communicate and being able to um, see through things so that there's no hidden variables. And, and it came to me that this was because we're right, really right at the end of the information age. And I've been writing all my other books about this transformation and shift that we're going through from the end of the information age into what I've been calling the intuition age, where we're moving from mind really into the idea of spirit or the imaginal realm or the non-physical realms in a much more comprehensive way. And um, so, it, so it makes sense to me that transparency would be understood in a kind of linear way because we're still thinking in a you know, cause and effect methodology past, present, future, beginning, middle, end, you know, and so transparency is a horizontal thing in the information age. It's in the physical world, really. Mm. All right, so that's the thing we understand. But what I was getting was that there's vertical transparency as well, where as we become more clear and more intuitive and more open, we start to actually realize that the soul or the spiritual self, whatever, however you want to call that, is actually in the body. It's actually in the personality. It's making us up second by second. And it's not out in heaven somewhere separated from us. It's, it's in the very fabric of every particle and cell and the space between cells. And so that also spirit or, you know, the energetic realm of the unified field is all through matter. It's not separate from matter. It's integrated. What's the problem is, is that our mind wanders into this linear construct, which is the future and the past, and leaves the present moment. And when that happens, you can't access Mm -hmm. the soul in the body, which is in the now, or spirit in matter, which is in the now. And you can't feel it and know it as a a, real felt sense. but what's happening now is we're coming into the present moment. We're coming into our bodies. And we're starting to have this revelation that, um, you know, that we are the soul. Mm. Now, that's what I call vertical transparency. Because when we merge and we realize we are the soul, an interesting thing happens, which is that the soul has no concept of fear. It doesn't need secrets. It doesn't need to lie. It doesn't need hiding. It doesn't need masks. It's just playful and creative, and it doesn't have any shoulds. You know, and so the more you become the soul and, and feel that spiritual reality, the less clutter you need to protect yourself. Mm. That's vertical transparency. I love how you describe that when we remove that clutter, what's left is the transparent diamond-like self, and that it is a contagious light. 
such beautiful <laughs> descriptions that when we're opaque, th- there's there's a density, a thick, clouded, opaque state as you describe it, yeah. and that's and and I think all of us listening can can remember a time where we felt dense, heavy, clouded, unclear, oh, and not yeah, just solid. unclear and in the moment, but like unclear and weighed down and fearful, like you yeah. you're describing it just now, solid. And like wet blankets laid on top mm, of, you know, oh, that kind of yeah. energy. And that's why I, I've kind of broken the book up into talking about what, the opaque reality and, and what causes it. And then the transparent reality and how they're different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the opaque reality is really um, caused by fear, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, nothing short of fear. And all the mechanisms that we have evolved to sort of protect ourselves from feeling terribly vulnerable, like we might possibly, you know, be nothing or be annihilated or be abandoned or whatever our greatest fears are. Um, And, uh, you know, so as we get rid of those fears and all of that, those belief systems about fear, like you said, it's what's left is just the simple us, which is basically clear light and wisdom and a sort of an integrated compassion and compassion becomes the evolutionary force at that point you mentioned the concept of vulnerability that Mm. some amount of being transparent of you describe it as developing the ability to see through so our intuition can skyrocket and be seen and Mm. yet to be seen can feel very vulnerable or even to live in the moment, even in your case, to be surrendered to a book where you don't exactly know where it's going is quite vulnerable. How yes. can people, and, and we hear a lot about mindfulness, being present, oh, stress yeah. is just fear of the future or regrets <laughs> about the past, but it's so much easier said than done sometimes to really well be in that, this transparent, open state. Yes. So how have you found that helps you shift into that when you're feeling dense? Yeah. Well, first of all, I I think that a lot of the terminology we're using that the phrases that we bandy about and are so trite already, you know, Um, like meditation, mindfulness. And it's like, oh, boring, you know. Well, and it's funny (laughs) Um, because in a sense, the trend worked. You're right. We are in the too much information age. We are leaning more toward mindfulness and spirituality. And yet now we're bombarded by information about those things, yeah. not necessarily a deep knowing from within. Unless and that we cultivate is, yeah, it. it's like too much left brain. Right. And, and so and this is partly an answer to your question too, is that I think we need to recognize when we're in the left brain and identifying with the left brain too much. And the left brain always has language. So if you're talking or you have the little voice inside your head running around, chattering at you or monkey mind, you know, then you're in your left brain. And if you're measuring things or quantifying things or criticizing things or talking negatively to yourself, you're in your left brain. As soon as you shift into I want to pause real quick. Yeah. Say that again. Anytime you're talking negatively, (laughs) negative, say it right with words, but anytime you're talking negatively to yourself, is that really true? Is it always that if we're you know, because I think some little part of our inner critic would have us believe that, no, I'm just trying to be helpful, be realistic. Right. We live in the real world. So how yeah. do we know that every kind of stressful thought is, in fact, left brain and not necessarily Well, true? the left brain is not entirely bad. 
you know, we need it in order to become conscious of things. So, you know, making meanings, for instance, is a left brain function, which is quite helpful. And figuring out how to do things also is very helpful. We need it. But the right brain, which, see, the left brain it functions, I think, a lot from the past and projects things that we did before that we have in our memory repertoire. And they project, it projects that onto the future, onto the present and future. So there's not a real responsiveness with the left mm. brain, but there is a reactiveness often. Mm. Um, and instead, if you come into the center of yourself, into the present moment, drop into your body and stop talking, get quiet, go into silence, you will almost immediately shift into your intuition and the right brain and the body and the heart consciousness and the field consciousness of the energy that's running through everything. And you just need to stay in that and saturate with it for a little while and get quiet and, and you know, recover yourself kind of at that point. Mm. At that point, you're in touch with everything all at once. It's an immersion experience. You know, it's, um, and if it weren't for the left brain, you wouldn't be able to know what you were anything. You know, I've heard it said that the left brain is actually the act of interrupting the right brain. Focus, Interesting. you know, focus so that you can actually know what you're knowing. So the left brain is not bad. It's just only when it thinks it's the boss mm. and is starting to run us around that it's not functioning properly because it doesn't know really what it's doing. It has no access to new insight, innovation or, you know, higher guidance. And um, so we need to, to rock back and forth. So getting out of those stress places where you feel stuck or heavy or in the opaque reality has a lot to do with getting quiet, getting centered. I call it stop and drop, you know, get into your body and then be quiet for a while and then allow the next just right thing to start to bubble up from within your own field. You don't attract it from the outside because there is no outside. It's everything's already within you. And whatever you need bubbles up and emerges into the moment with you and becomes close up. Mm. You know? um, and when you need it, it, it comes and becomes real. And when you don't need it, and this is from the soul's point of view, when you don't need it, it goes back on the shelf. You know, you, it's like a pantry <laughs> with great thousand millions of ideas. Mm -hmm. Use them and put them back. That's, that's such an interesting metaphor. And I remember this was a real mind bender for me when we were having the frequency and uh, perception podcast interviews where you were saying that we're not manifesting something from outside of us, that it's coming up from within. Right. It's just such a still stretches me to even conceptualize that. It is a long standing habit to participate in the linear perception that we all buy into. You know, that creates the reality we know of having goals and achieving them and, uh, you know, or just a, a notion of, well, I don't have this thing yet, or this, I haven't created this project yet, I haven't written the book, it's, it can feel, yeah, outside. Yeah, 
or or even then the next step is there something wrong with me that I don't have it now mm. already you know you can get into all these these uh, self negations oh, right, over right. it all but but in the when you live in the spherical reality which is the new reality then everything's inside a huge ball and you're in the center of the ball and the ball changes shape i mean not shape but scope um it expands and contracts and that's really your present moment it's your your um, amount of the unified field that you're paying attention to in each moment mm. and it can be a little tiny really physical dense one like you know um fixing something that's broken in your house uh or it can be a really huge visionary one like meditating or you know getting a vision for your life dream mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and or dreaming at night you know we go out at night into these big balls <laughs> of reality yeah I love how you describe to stop and drop, and drop and <laughs> drop into your body. Have you, or can you think of a recent example where you were in that more right brain connected, unified state, and maybe got your soul took something off the shelf, and when you kind of came up, came out of it, you thought, "What on earth?" You know, like where it just seemed either. I don't know where it just surprised you or you weren't yet sure what to do with it. Cause I think that that can happen a lot too, when we really tune in. You mean like getting some kind of an insight that's not ready yeah. to be used or, or where you just thought, Oh, well that's counterintuitive. Like that's not what my left brain was having me believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've kind of, um, have a, my, honed my intuitive sense. Mm. Like, for instance, there are a lot of books I still want to write. And when I bring them up to re- look at them, you know, like pick them up and put them in front of myself and look at it, um, I go, oh, not right now. Mm. Like, okay, that'll probably be next year, or that'll probably be in two years, or that one will come after this one, or I'll have a sense of sequencing, or I'll have a sense that something's missing. It's not time yet because some, some, insight is missing or some person is missing or um, maybe I had to write another book before that book could make sense or you know what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. there's just that sense of timing and um, the way things want to seem to materialize (laughs) maybe that's an intuitive sense all on its own you know to to read the materialization process Mm -hmm. I think so yeah yeah sometimes I'll get a not yet like, I'll, I'll know something is, yes, it's a soul goal. It's something that I think would be joyful to pursue. And still the message might be not yet or wait. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I don't know why. I don't know what that waiting, it's fine. It's not a problem, but it's like protecting me or showing me something or there's, there's a reason, but that in itself is an action of, its, of some kind. Yeah. Now that is a right brain accessing kind of thing where you're getting information directly about timing appropriateness or whatever but then what happens often is it gets shifted over to the left brain and that's where we make it personal and say well there must be something wrong with this idea then right maybe i shouldn't do it Mm. you know like um and you or you negate yourself again and then that's the left brain's territory because it really doesn't like change Mm. you know the um 
the right brain and the soul, they're totally in the moment and in the flow. They're just whatever needs to happen, just shape shift right into it. Have fun. Enjoy the surprise. <laughs> Move on. And, and, and don't hold yourself t- into too much definition. Mm. I think the more we become transparent, the less defined we are in terms of ego. You know, and you can play with your definitions, certainly, um, but you don't take them seriously. I was going to say, that's a very interesting (laughs) juxtaposition then between everyone should have a brand and we're everyone's CEO of you, Inc., compared (laughs) to being transparent and totally fluid. And I know I, I can speak from experience of 11 years of doing this, that it is interesting to change in front of a community or to try and explain it or to go with the flow and be free and yet then somehow try and bring people along on that journey. It's, it's this yeah. interesting thing we're facing these days. Well, I think that branding and all that you just mentioned um, is the left brain way of describing or defining the right brain or, you know, fluidity of being appropriate in the moment to what wants to happen. Mm. And sometimes I get the idea of something I think I want to do, but the flow itself, which is everybody else also, may have something they need, and then that gets put into my mind as though it's my own idea. You know, and I those things come to you without planning. Yeah. You know, and you have to be open to that because um, and I'm thinking for some reason of Joni Mitchell, you know how she kind of evolved herself quite naturally from folk singer to watercolor artist to, you know, fabulous painter. And then she moved into jazz and, you know, she just kind of did what she wanted to do. She didn't do the popular thing that everybody expected her to do. And she she let herself be an artist all the way. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I think. And yet still remained, um, you know, so authentic that she's highly respected. And I think that's what happens to us. Mm-hmm. And you I th- oh, stay ahead. authentic. You stay authentic. You stay open. You stay even vulnerable a little or e- even exposed so that other people can see your example of how you are allowing yourself to shift from one thing to another to another. And it doesn't always make logical sense to the left brain and the way a marketing professional would cause you to, you know, to design your career, you know? Um, and, and I guess I think as we get more intuitive and open and transparent, that those old definitions are too structured. Mm. They're too formal. They're too formulaic. Um, yeah, they might work for how long for six months and then somebody (laughs) invents another one. Yeah. Well, (laughs) what you're describing is very interesting that, in fact, it's almost as if the personal brand itself, again, with these labels, they're so subpar (laughs) to what we really mean, but, but that the... The brand is going to be a certain amount of authenticity, which also gets overused, but, but that to be authentic, to be transparent, to let people in to, as you say, to, to see into and be seen that's being in the flow of one's own evolution and, and communicating and inviting people into that, that that is the brand, like the brand can be yeah, yeah. that 
and that yeah. that's plenty and that, you know, in some ways that is what happens with social media if we're not curating it too much. But everybody is in this constant evolution on their Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. Just that's true. That's who true. they are, who they're and becoming. That's, what's kind of, that's one of the good things about all that is mm-hmm. that, um, and that's why people actually today are hungry for personal connection with mm-hmm. authors, with they, they want to be friends with their CEOs. <laughs> you know, they want <laughs> personal connections a lot. And um, they don't want the formal roles so much anymore. I've also seen major leaders talking about their companies having soul. So Howard Schultz of <laughs> Starbucks, yeah. Satya Nadella of Microsoft. Both of these men are very prominently describing the soul of their company and how they mm-hmm. nurture it and keep that. And I think that's so interesting in line with everything that you're saying. Yeah. I mean, some of these words, you know, when I first started doing this work, you couldn't even say the word intuition. Oh, my goodness. Um, right. Not it, to mention soul in a corporate context. You know, like, I, yeah. Um, not to mention, you could say, oh, you can fly by the seat of your pants, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> things like or that. Maybe like go with your gut. What's your yeah. instinct? It would your be a little instinct. more primal. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But to even say the word soul is kind of a new thing, I think, Fair. you know, in a in a common business like setting. Um, I think it's interesting, like, you know, Congressman Tim Ryan has written a book on mindfulness and meditation and is working with that in politics, which is fantastic, you know. Mm. So some of these things are creeping in. But, you know, this whole concept of transparency, then, it takes it kind of to, uh, what, would, what would I say? It's like a methodology, actually, to... Maybe it is to bring the soul of a company out or to bring mm-hmm. bring the, the, the core true meaning, the true essence of anything out. And you don't even have to will it to come out. You just have to remove anything that is covering it over. Mm. Right. And then because it's it's what we are at, at heart. And um, so there is something about, you know, I do, I go into a lot in the book about defining words like honesty and humility and, you know, cause we have connotations with some of these things or trust or, you know, all this stuff. Um, but to me, humility is an incredible state because it's not about being less than anything. Mm. It's about being what you are in the moment, in each moment, a statement of truth about what you're, what you know, you know, what you feel like doing and so forth. And if you can be that way, you know, really deep humility, then you are authentic. Then you are honest. You are um, very real. And if you are doing that, then why wouldn't you want other people to see you? Right. What do you have to hide? What would you have to hide? You know, um, so then you you can be exposed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think you maybe read in my, in my, um, introduction, how, when I moved from Northern California, where I had lived for 30 something years, you know, to Florida to help my mother who was getting sick. Um, I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? I don't think I'll fit. Um, are there, you know, and I, I realized after I started talking to several people, like, what do you do? And I'd get into these long (laughs) diatribes with them telling me that I didn't believe in Jesus and, um, you know, very fundamentalist and conservative um, thinking, but heartwarming, open-minded, not open-minded, but open-hearted people. Mm. 
um, I thought, well, okay, this will be okay. I can sort of expand my work up the East Coast and into Europe. It'll be easier to get to other places. And a voice in my head immediately said, it's not about expansion. It's about exposure. Hmm. And I and I went, oh no, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it said basically, just let yourself be seen. Don't put up any um, shields or anything to camouflage yourself. Don't try to hide here. Just be open. People who can see you will see you, and people who can't see you won't see you. <laughs> you know, it'll sort itself out. And so I have had to really focus on what exposure means, hmm. you know, and, and the vulnerability that comes with that actually goes away when you're being authentic. Right. Because as you said, you have nothing to hide and you're clear. It, it, there's a clarity. You're not trying, you're not faking it and people can accept it or not, but because you people, are in your, yeah. I was just going to say people frequency. are so I want to say telepathic or clairsentient. Mm. We feel each other's energy fields now very strongly. And if people are not in alignment with their field or if their ideas and their pictures don't line up Mm, or if their beliefs and their words don't line up, you get this really funny, like mismatched, like, huh? (laughs) Kind of feeling that, like, I don't really know if I could trust that person. Right. But if they their words and their energy and you know their pictures that they send telepathically all line up then people relax around you but if you hold even the slightest bit of a distrust of them then that's what they read in your field and mm-hmm. then they distrust you mm-hmm. so transparency actually is a, a thing that creates safety which it seems like it would be the opposite Right. And you even say that sometimes we're, when, as our souls become more transparent, that even you were feeling kind of longing for other souls that were this way, but Mm -hmm. even barring that, that it can start with us. We can lead in this way. We can be the example and be transparent and be honest and humble and exposed in some way uh, 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 from a place of strength and openness that will invite others. Yeah. Yeah. Simplicity is a big factor here. It's like you try to be all complicated and impressive (laughs) to others and uh, it kind of gets in the way. I think Um, you can be yourself and have great style if you, if that's what's fun for you, Mm. you know, and people can get a sense that you're playing with, you know, fashion or whatever it is. um, And you're not taking it seriously as, a precondition for being approved of. Right. Um, You know, and uh, I don't know. It's just the more I got into the subject, the more fascinating it became for its um, revelatory function. You know, that that, um, when you let other people see you and be exposed and, and let them see all of you, and even your, you know, I said your, the spinach in your teeth, you know, because, <laughs> because they've had spinach in their teeth. You know, mm-hmm. they, they forgot to button their shirt all the way or whatever it was. And um, everybody knows that. And it's just human. And if you can laugh at it and just be normal about flaws, 
then people go, oh, yeah, well, so my flaws aren't so bad either. Mm. All right, so I can be more comfortable being myself. Okay, so then what happens is they can see you much more accurately than they see themselves much more accurately than you see through their stuff totally accurately. And all this kind of x-ray vision starts happening where not only you can see really what's, what's going on in the various layers of another person, but you can see through situations. You can see through problems. You can understand problem solving so much better. Hmm. You know, and it does relate into um, systems. You know, it's a personal thing. And it works for relationships, and it works for small groups, and for corporations, and for nationalities, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it will spread to more and more collective expressions. But we have to start it, like you were saying, ourselves. I found it really interesting how you describe, in the intro, you say, in general, you felt much less ambitious in the usual sense, but at the yes. same time that you felt more like your true self and that what you need comes effortlessly, therefore you worry far less. So yes. I find that because what you're describing, and as we were talking about companies with soul or this process of being, um, I, I think it's so interesting that you went through this phase of feeling less ambitious and probably your left brain asking, is there something wrong with that? And yet the <laughs> solutions coming even more quickly, like you said, you can see into problems and situations and relationships. So I'd love to hear a little more about your experience of that, that fam old yeah. familiar ambition shifting or evolving <laughs> to something new. What happens, I think, is that you start to realize that the field around you and that's in you of, of consciousness and energy or light, if you want to call it that, um, there's no end to you, that you continue out and that energy that is the self goes through everything. And so the field around you becomes like a, a living being and your best friend. And so somehow whatever you need next, the flow brings you either the idea of it, and you get it on the inside, and then you match that with an event or something in the physical world. Or it comes as a physical event or opportunity or, you know, person, uh, resource, and then you get the idea of why that happened to you. And you, you make a correlation between your, you know, in, inner mental realm and your sort of physical external realm of events and 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 uh, accomplishments um, and so what i find is that the field materializes things for me now which is the coolest experience yeah. <laughs> you know it's like and then i say oh yes that's right i i wanted like i wanted to work in europe more oh they just invited me to come over to do this thing you know and i'm still like a little 5 year old like get a, amazed at like, wow, this is happening. Isn't totally. this cool? You know, like, like, I don't get bored with that or, or jaded. And I find I'm much less attached when th things don't happen. I think, oh, well, I must not have been meant to go to Europe right now. Or, <laughs> no, right or, now. Cool. Yeah. I must not Something's have been meant missing. to get Whatever. that speaking just, gig. Yeah. It just yeah. wasn't going to be something else will come up or I needed the rest. I've learned to trust when things don't work as well. Exactly. Exactly. Because they are working. Yes, that it's still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quote, don't <laughs> work. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. 
the other thing I I wanted to read a paragraph here, so um, because one of the things I noticed was that as you become more transparent, get words around this. It's like things that we defined in linear perception, in in the opaque reality, and we had an understanding of them, totally change as you move into the transparent reality, and they take on a whole new expanded meaning. And that is a really fun thing to look at. And I have a whole section in my the end of the book that goes through a whole bunch of these. But part of it is that things become very ironic. And so I have this thing. I said, we're entering the time of great ironies. Hmm. I wrote that down, too. I loved yeah, that. I yeah. loved that. What seems restrictive is really freeing. What seems dangerous is really protective. What seems safe is really detrimental. What seems problematic is really the answer. <laughs> what seems easily spiritual is really numbing. What seems sacrificial is really an increase. Mm. It is the quest for an attainment of personal and collective transparency that reveals the deeper truths, and it brings with it some welcome humor and relief. And then I also wrote at the beginning of one of the intros here that this is a book about letting go of everything and receiving everything. Yes, I loved that. It's about the irony of having no ego and an amazing personal presence, of not being intellectual and being a genius, of not needing to rescue the sufferers of the world and being a powerful force for healing. This is a book about how becoming transparent empowers the good while seeming dangerous, how it lets you be empty and spacious while being full and free while also belonging. So this is a book about making enlightenment normal. Which is its own beautiful irony. Like, let's make enlightenment (laughs) normal. It's available to you every day. Not some far away, you have to go to an ashram in India for three months or 30 years. But it's here. I love that you say that and and create that possibility for all of us. You know, part of it is the joy you start encountering when you go into transparency is that everything seems joyful and funny. Like the the cosmic joke, you know, or something. (laughs) I mean, not, I mean, gosh, you know, you look at the terrible things happening in the world. They don't seem funny, obviously. These are happening out of ignorance and pain, and they're creating more ignorance and pain. Of course, we don't think suffering is funny, but um, you have to take a little bit longer view, I think, when you look at um, these mass shootings and so forth that that have been happening. The the you know destruction from natural disasters, Mm. Um, but it's all part of an opening and a clearing of major old concepts, major Mm. old ideas of fear that have to be made visible and conscious in order to be cleared. You know, and it's it's a difficult process, you know, that some people have to lose their lives over it. Mm. Yeah, it really is such a tumultuous time. And and I, I remember a recent headline in the New York Times that was just like, a natural disaster of every kind just across the country, across the planet. And and there is so much fear and hatred. And, and But, I mean, then it, it's, as you said, it's not to find any, we would never, ever wish that upon anyone. 
And at the same time, people are, it's creating conversations. At least it's creating conversations for people to choose how they want to show up in the oh, world. That's true. Very true. Yeah. You also say in the book, this is, a, this is my turn to read a passage. <laughs> you say, uh, to experience transparency, you need to develop radical trust, which means mm. absolutely trusting yourself as a soul, that you, the soul guide, that you, the soul, guide the unfolding of your life and fuel the function of your inner perceiver, which helps you notice what you notice for good reasons. I love that idea of radical trust, not necessarily in every single person we meet, though maybe in some <laughs> capacity, mm-hmm. but that radical trust of our soul, our, our soul pointing yes. us, our inner perceiver picking up just what we need to know when we need to know it. Yes. And I think I've mentioned radical a couple times in the book, but I like to define it because it really, it, it doesn't mean exactly the crazy extreme version of something that we think of it as. It's really about getting to the root of something. It, it comes from the Latin word for root. So that again means that we're trying to get to the core, to the, the truth, to what's most real about something. And so when you look at the idea of radical combined with trust, that would be, yeah, have trust in your own self, in your own choices, in your own perceptions, in other people's perceptions, in the flow, in the way things unfold into what you have in the moment already and why you have it. Um, And it's kind of like you could have unconditional trust for any single kind of trust, Mm. right? Like unconditional trust in my own perceptions, right? Uh, you know, or you could have it for all things (laughs) eventually, (laughs) you know, just to know that it's all working for you, not against you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's something that relationships, entrepreneurship, I'm sure parenting, even though I'm not yet a parent, um, but teaches us, which is that I, I, a sense of trust in the unknown as well, and trust that for uncertainty or decisions that we haven't yet made, I, I've developed I have in, in large part, thanks to you, but a certain trust that I am provided for. It's, there's a flow. I can tap into it. I trust myself to do that. I trust my my intuition about when to act on things and when not to. And, and so when I'm getting fearful or anxious, that that's what helps me come back to my home frequency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. To, and even if you have a loss or I remember I had a flat tire out in the middle of somewhere and it was just like freaking out. And then finally the guy came with the truck, you know, and then we had this wonderful conversation driving <laughs> back to the, you know, it was like, oh, this was a gift. Hmm. You know, um, so how do you how did you process? Because speaking of loss, your mom also passed away while you were working mm-hmm. on this book. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry for that, that you lost her. And yeah. I mean, I know for you, she's still with you in some way. But how did you what did that teach you about these concepts that you were working with and still are? It reinforced a lot for me, the whole idea that the worlds are not separate. Hmm. That there's no line between, you know, there's no other side. Um, There's, there, you know, I think if I could be more transparent, and I would be able to see her and talk to her more. Mm. 
right now I do that by programming a dream or by meditating and going into a kind of a little meeting room up above my head where she comes down and I go up and then we sit in there and talk and it's all in the imaginal realm. But that's where I think we go when we leave the body. <laughs> We're in the imaginal realm. And so that's the real world then. Um, but, but yeah, that, it, I think her passing right at that time um, shocked me open in, in a particular way. And, and it made me more connected. Shocked me open. That's such a beautiful description of so often what the grief process does. That yeah. it just shocks you right open. Like you can't hold the same defenses up or, or just opacity, even if it's not conscious, yeah. but it just cracks you wide open. And well, it is, I think, you know, grief is in the opaque world. Mm. Oh, interesting. I, I think that um, really grief is not going to be around when we go into the transformed reality because you won't feel loss. You know, the, the people will, they're still there. You know? Okay. What about after a breakup? <laughs> would you feel, would there be a grieving or would you just say like this? I, I find this very interesting, especially in the personal development sphere of there's this concept of spiritual bypassing. When are you jumping too quickly to, oh, nothing. I'm not sad at all. It's all meant to be oh, versus right. what you're describing. How can, can you just tease that out for us a little bit? Well, if if it has any willpower to it like that, then mm. that's left brain again. Okay, okay. Right? Um, I think that if you get quiet, stop and drop, get in, get quiet, expand your reality ball to include many, many more higher frequencies, then you start to realize, first of all, there are all the beings in the physical world inside your ball, and then there are all the non-physical beings that have ever been, you know, and every kind, um, angels and people you've known, people you didn't know, your past lives, probably, you know, millions and billions of little points of light that are all different frequencies and realities that you can put your attention on. And if you put your attention on it, you can know about it. You know, so there's nothing lost. Um, and so when you break up with someone, I think you start Isn't to that understand even an opaque term, right? Like break up, yes, like break. break. Up. It's yes. very brittle, yeah. linear, like a right. stick going. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more that you understand that souls um, have sort of agreements. They either they show up in each other's reality based on frequencies. When you match a frequency, souls emerge out of your field of each other's fields, and then there we are, like. You and I met, you know, and we're sort of on the same vibration and we keep hanging around, you know, <laughs> <So> <laughs> because it, we, I really love you know, this concept from frequency. Yes. yes. Yeah. And then there are some relationships that you wanted. To, maybe I know I had a couple where I just wanted to kind of say hi to the being and mm -hmm. hang out for a year or two right. and enjoy them. And then that was done because we had our the rest of our creativity to get on to. And so, you know, we quote, broke up, but mo mainly it was a feeling of moving on, you know, and, and I think then we understand that the souls are quite neutral in their, um, I don't even know if you wouldn't call it a choice, but their natural rhythms, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the flow. The comings and goings yeah. and flowings. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. And if you can c be co-evolutionary with other people, 
they hang around. You, you know them for lifetimes. <laughs> That's a you great, know? yeah. I love that way of looking at it. So as we wrap up today's episode with a tear, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> we're, no, we're going to, we're going to just have to do a follow-up. We even yeah. talked about that at the beginning. So um, shoot me an email. Let me know if you would want that, but we have, there's so much more we can cover. I would oh, yeah. love Penny, if you could just give us one or two transparency experiments that we could all try to put this into practice. Um. Well, I always really love the the diamond light meditation. That's like a core thing I, I talk about a lot is to imagine that you have a diamond light body standing behind your back. Mm. that's exactly like you, shaped like you, but no blockages. He or she is just made of pure, glossy diamond light, a very high frequency, which is the soul's vibration. And then it puts its hands on your shoulders, you tune up to that frequency, and then you let that, that being step inside you and slide in and match up with you part for part. So you get a diamond light brain and your physical brain and diamond light heart and your physical heart and diamond light blood and diamond light bones and everything has its diamond light counterpart. And you kind of scan through your body and you, you let this match up. As it does, the diamond light self has all the core instructions. It knows the optimal functioning of everything and of your own life path and destiny. And you just sit there and let the light work on you. And pretty soon you realize, wait a minute, I am the diamond light self. (laughs) Here I am. I'm present. And then I think if we did that a lot, we would have the the look of light coming more out of our face, out of our eyes, kind of our skin would seem like it was glowing more, or our aura would feel bright to people. Yeah, you'd feel uncluttered and, and uh, younger, or sort of, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Clearer. Oh, yeah. I was um, closing my eyes while you were even describing it, and I already felt like a smile on my lips. I just felt like, (laughs) wow, this is the coolest thing. I had like a digital soundtrack like they'd use in a hacker movie, like like the diamond light was just changing my whole body. (laughs) That was really cool. We got to get you on insight timer so we can, I can meditate to your. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be so cool. The other thing that I do a lot now, which is really quick is notice um, when your left brain is making uh, negative declarative statements. You're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't dance, you know, or I don't know how to roller skate, or I don't d- do this, or I could never do public speaking, Jenny, the way you do public speaking. Um, that's the left brain keeping us from change. So write those, some of those down. And then turn them around so that you make it into a statement that's not so positive in the Dale Carnegie type sense, but into a phrase that allows energy to flow. Like, I think it would be interesting to try to learn to do public speaking the way Jenny does it. Mm. It could be really interesting to work with large groups or to travel around the country and see how the energy would flow. You know, or I think it would be exciting to do roller skating. Maybe that would be give me a sense of something that I've, I'm missing. You know, I don't have to be perfect at it. I just think it would be interesting. And now the energy can flow into a new, new pathway. But when you say, I don't do it or I can't do it, you just cut it off. That and that is, contracts you, right? You can't, nothing can flow there then. That is the most brilliant gem 
petty fears. I really, we have to, I want to repeat this because I love what you just said, that you're taking a fear or a what seems like a factual statement from your left brain that has was stopping the energy flow. And instead of Dale Carnegie, it, instead of just saying, <laughs> right. I am well, Tony Robbins. It. Yeah. Or, <laughs> I am the best keynote speaker in the world, which I think we have a misperception that that's how we need to reframe things. What you're saying is reframe it in a way that helps the energy flow. So again, coming back to something with some authenticity in it. That, yeah. Don't, oh, I think don't it would be get too big and, and too. ambitious. Like have it and be thoughts. about curiosity. Yeah. Have and it instead be of the, the early stages. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I think my body might enjoy that kind of energy. Right. Or wouldn't it be right? interesting to try or, uh-huh. well, it certainly would be an adventure. Then if you imagine even further, that I am roller skating. And oh, it feels really great. I thought it would. This is really a great. And now look at how I feel in my life. Mm. I have the old me that was didn't ever contemplate roller skating. It couldn't be possibly be part of my reality. And now suddenly I have all this freedom to flow and I and I know how to make turns and skate on one leg or whatever. And now you're open to even more things. I love it. I love it. And I think we can also look at ways in the past where we've shifted. I know, I mean, I'm sure we've all had that experience where you do the thing you think you could never do, or you become a person that you, wow, (laughs) didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. Penny, this is just so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being you and shining your diamond light in the world and being such a, a, a great mentor and friend to me and so many others. Those of you listening, if you don't already have it, grab a copy of Transparency, Seeing Through to Our Expanded Human Capacity. Penny, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you, you Jenny. <laughs> and thank you for being here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice-monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always?